Hello, this is Bethany Leone, editor of Heat Treat Radio, stepping in with a quick word about this episode, which is available in full video. Watch and listen to the full length of the episode at heattreattoday.com slash radio and look for Heat Treat Legends, Dan Herring. Support for today's Heat Treat Radio episode is provided by Heat Treat Today's 40 Under 40. Nominate a North American heat treater for the class of 2022 at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo. And welcome to Heat Treat Radio. You're tuning in to the second episode in a series titled Heat Treat Legends, a feature highlighting the backgrounds, achievements, words of wisdom, and lessons of legendary North American heat treaters. Doug Glenn, publisher of Heat Treat Today, sat down with Daniel Herring, the heat treat doctor, to hear about what stories Dan had to share. Let's take a listen. Well, Dan, thanks for joining us. Uh, as, as you know, we've spoken before about this. This is uh, you're, you're actually second on our list of recordings that we're doing in what we're calling our Heat Treat Legends uh, podcast. So uh, couldn't think there were, there were a number of people that I had at the top of my list. You were one of them. So uh, first off, congratulations for being on that list. And we're looking forward to the interview today with you. Well, Doug, it's it's my pleasure to be here, and I just want to say that uh, I consider this a distinct uh, a distinct privilege to be considered one of the heat treat legends. But I'd also like to point out to everyone who listens to this that no one individual can do it by themselves. Uh, so I'm really accepting, you know, this accolade, if you will, uh, on behalf of the many men and women who who toiled in what I'm gonna call relative obscurity and who made this industry what it is today. So on their behalf, I'm more than willing to uh, be considered one of the heat treat legends. Well, thank you, Dan. That's just very magnanimous of you, very generous. That's a, that's a good, way to, good way to start, kind of keeps with the character I know you have there. So that's good. Why, why don't we do this though? The first time, let's go back and just talk a little bit about your history just very briefly to give people a sense of, you know, when you started in the industry and, and your and briefly your work history. We don't want to go into any too much detail there, just where you've worked and things of that sort. First time I met you, Dan, I can still recall it was in the office of um, Mr. Mowry, uh, Ron Mowry at C.I. Hayes. And I'm not sure whether it was Warwick or Cranston, Rhode Island. I'm not sure where they were located at the time. But I was a young buck in the industry and uh, went up there with one of my colleagues to visit you, visit, uh, visit Ron and you were, you were there. But so that's where I knew you started with was where I had you with CI Hayes. But there may be time prior to that in the industry where you were already in the heat industry. But very briefly, go ahead and give us your, your history. Well, first of all, Doug, you've got a great memory. I, I remember meeting you as well. But um... Uh, you know, I've been in the industry now a little over 50 years, and my working career uh, uh, prior to becoming a consultant in the industry dealt with, or, or I worked for three companies, and they were furnace manufacturers, or what we call in the industry, original equipment manufacturers. Right. There was Lindbergh, which was in the 1970s. C.I. Hayes, which was in the 1980s and early 1990s, and then briefly for Ipsen. 
Um, then I got smart as the phrase goes, or I saw an opportunity and I formed my own little company called the Herring Group. One of the things throughout my career, Doug, that, that's rather interesting is I've held an incredible number of different jobs with different responsibilities. Um, I was hired as a corporate trainee by Lindbergh. Uh, what that meant was that the corporation paid my salary and not the plant, so they were happy to have me. Um, but I was a junior metallurgist who became a metallurgist who ultimately became the chief metallurgist of the organization. Yeah. Along the way, I worked in engineering. I worked in international marketing. I was a junior application engineer, a senior application engineer. Uh, I was a product manager, uh, uh, finally uh, winding up as chief engineer of the company. Uh, joined CI Hayes and uh, uh, worked as their corporate metallurgist, um, then became the technical director for the Midwest, uh, Midwestern region of the United States, um, research and development director at Ipsen, director of new product development. Um, so I've done a variety of different tasks uh, you might say that I've been the chief cook and bottle washer of, of the industry, if you will. Yeah. But all of those tasks, seriously, all of those tasks have taught me what I know today. Um, I learned something from every job I had. And most of my career has been spent hands-on. And what I mean by that is actively running either heat treat departments uh, up to a dozen furnaces in the case of Lindbergh. They mm -hmm. were atmosphere furnaces, they were vacuum furnaces, they were induction heating equipment, uh, running thousands, I wouldn't even say hundreds, but thousands of processes from anything from uh, hardening to, to enameling, if you will. Yeah. Um, ran uh, hundreds and hundreds of demonstrations for customers to prove out that the process would work in a particular furnace. And um, I've also had the good fortune throughout my career for a period of about 10 plus years. I traveled about 15 days a month. Yeah. And put, put that in perspective for people, there's only 20 to 22 working days a month. Yeah. And I was visiting customers, visiting manufacturing facilities um, up to 15 days a month and uh, did that for over 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so I got to meet quite a number of people in the industry um, uh, who, again, uh, shared their experiences, their knowledge. I came across an infinite amount of problems in the field that needed solutions um and on and on and on yeah um but where it began interestingly enough and i'm going to put a little a little call out here to uh my parents that always pushed me to become what i call the best version of myself <laughs> uh, my my mother was a registered nurse but uh i i would swear she was an english teacher in disguise yeah i learned my love of writing yeah and my father was a machinist, a hands-on guy that ran screw machines. Um, he was one of the most inventive people 
that I ever met. Uh, really an, a good common sense individual. And to horrify the listeners, uh, I've been in machine shops since I've been six years old. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, today, you would never, ever bring a child to work with you. Right. Uh, and only tell them, don't touch anything and watch yourself. Yeah. And I got to work. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I learned a great deal uh, on the shop floor, so to speak. So um, then combined with my education as an undergrad uh, in engineering and as, as graduate work at the Illinois Institute of Technology, uh, uh, I've learned a great deal of my craft from there. Yeah. So that's a brief, uh, a brief overview of who I am. I'm an equipment guy. I'm a process guy. I'm a hands-on guy. And basically, I'm a problem solver, Doug. Yeah, yeah. There are two other things I'd like to highlight, Dan, that you, you've modestly left out of your, uh, or humbly left out, I should say, of your, of your description. One was uh, back in the day when, when you and I were both, um, well, I was working for Industrial Heating at the time. I was their publisher. You and I connected up, and you started authoring a monthly column for for them for I don't know it was over over ten years I'm guessing, and had done that for for quite some time and really gained not just because of that but I would assume somewhat because of that there was a really heightened yourself as the heat treat doctor which you did not mention that's really kind of how you're known I think in in a lot of the industry is the is the heat treat doctor from your website and of course from from some of those columns so I think that's pretty notable. And you also did not mention that you are an author of four books, right? Vacuum Heat Treating, Volumes 1 and 2, Atmosphere Heat Treating, Volumes 1 and 2, both fairly significant tombs of an, in and of themselves. Well, well, thank you, Doug. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the Heat Treat Doctor brand perhaps a little later. But uh, uh, yes, so those are some of the accomplishments on my resume. Gotcha. Good, good, good. You mentioned earlier, Dan, about some people, you, and you mentioned specifically your parents, which I think was great. I, it's very, very interesting. I always find to see what the what influence parents have had on people. Anyone else you would like to mention that's been significant in the advancement of you in and your advancement in the heat treat industry uh, throughout the years? Well, a few people uh, I, I think are noteworthy, but I'd like to maybe begin on a... Uh, uh, on a rather interesting note, because I want to credit uh, when I was a young boy growing up in Chicago, I want to credit my next door neighbor, uh, Mr. Joe Palello. Um, uh, he happened to be this strange person called a heat treater. Okay. I didn't know what he did exactly, uh, but he and my father would spend endless hours either talking over the uh, between fences or in our yard or in his yard. Uh, so I grew up listening to two people talk about um, uh, heat treating, among other things, which is very unique. Uh, now, truth be told, and, and I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm old enough to say it, I was probably more interested in his daughter than I was in him. Uh, true story. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But, but some metallurgy rubbed, rubbed off along the way. Yeah. Um, but, but 
Also, I think it's interesting that I have had the extremely good fortune of working for two or three people that actually fell in the genius category. Ah. I mean, these people were absolutely positively of genius intellects and they worked within the, the heat treating industry. Huh. Uh, at Lindbergh, there was a fellow by the name of Hobart Wentworth, okay. uh, whose grandfather or great-grandfather, I forget which, was actually mayor of Chicago. Um, and he taught me the engineering discipline, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, in other words, translating what you learn in university into the real world. Yeah. The second one was a guy by the name of Russ Novi. Russ was the chief metallurgist at, um, at Lindbergh when I started. Uh, he was actually a mechanical engineer of all things, um, but was one of the smartest and finest metallurgists I ever knew. Mm -hmm. And he had infinite patience, Doug, um, to tell you what he had learned and explain things and, and talk about the root cause of things. And then at, at CI Hayes, I have to give a, a, a shout out to Herb Westerin. Uh, Herb was, uh, he, he, by the way, still to this day, holds the record, I believe it's 300 patents in the state of Rhode Island. Is that right? Interesting. Uh, and uh, the first time I, I saw Herb, he was sitting at his desk um, fiddling, believe it or not, with typewriter keys. He had a pile of typewriter keys on his desk. He would lift them up and drop them into back into the pile, lift them up and drop them back in the pile. Now, I'm a, a brand new employee. I've been introduced to him. That's the only thing that stopped them from lifting and dropping typewriter keys. And I watched him do this because my office was, was right across kitty corner from his. I watched him do this for four days. Huh. I'm like, God, what do they pay this guy for? Yeah. And then one day he got up and he walked away from his desk. And a little later on, when I was out in the shop, I noticed that he was building a furnace. He built a furnace. He ran the typewriter keys in that furnace. And uh, C.I. Hayes was fortunate enough to get hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business from this strange company called IBM. Uh <laughs> typewriter keys. Uh, so Herb had many, many inventions. He was extremely uh, creative fella. One more quick story. I don't know if we want to take the time, but it's worth it. Uh, Herb was the only guy I ever knew that uh, driving through a car wash got a brilliant idea for load transfer uh, through and in a furnace from a car wash. And so he rode back and through the car wash multiple, multiple times, of course, with the windows down, oh. looking at the transfer mechanism. Yeah. Uh, and, and then went back to the shop. His clothes were very clean, I might add. That's yeah. Job, yeah. But he came back and designed the principal drive system that CIA uses to this day. No uh, kidding. Wow. So all in all, I think that the pe all the people that I worked with were outstanding. Uh, but I think that, uh, and, and since my working career ended in the furnace, in, you know, furnace manufacturing, I've had a lot of people in the, in the general industry 
uh, really, really contribute to my, my knowledge and my awareness of the industry. Yeah. And I probably could go on and on and on with people. I'll just give a shout out to a special shout out to one of them, which is Bill Jones. That's the CEO of Solar Atmospheres. Right. Um, and he taught me quite a few lessons, both in business and also uh, uh, from a personal standpoint. So mm -hmm. I've had a whole group of people, Doug, yourself included, that have influenced my life in, in great ways. Oh, that's great. Well, you know, Bill Jones, of course, was uh, was our first heat treat legend guy. So good, good, good name to mention there. That's great. There you so, go. so Dan, that very interesting. Thank you. When you look back now on your career, what would you say would be, in your in your humble opinion, right, the top two or three most significant accomplishments that you've had or or, or achievements? Well, uh, you mentioned one, which was the the heat treat books, yeah. if you will. Uh, I've had the privilege of actually writing ten books. And uh, uh, several of them, six of them, as a matter of fact, uh, have been in the in the field of heat treatment. Okay. Uh, so I, I feel that that's certainly an accomplishment I'm very proud of. Uh, in other words, sharing what I know with yeah. others for forever, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the second, of course, is establishing, as you pointed out, the heat treat doctor brand. Yes. Uh, and I'll talk a little more on that later, perhaps. But um, the other thing that that I guess I would say is that one of the things that I'm most proud of accomplishing is doing a lot of good in the industry and doing as little harm to the industry as possible. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, and and you know, helping customers that are I have critical problems, whether they be in the aerospace industry, the medical industry, the automotive industry, helping them fix their problems um, and get back, get back in operation again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been called up at three o'clock in the afternoon and said, how fast can you get here? Yeah, We shut the entire assembly plant down and there's a thousand people on layoff right now. Yeah. And you come in and help solve our problems. Yeah. And that was on a Thursday afternoon and Saturday morning, they were back in production. Yeah. Those are things that I'm incredibly proud of. And, uh, um, but I think those are the ones that stand out the most, I would think. Yeah. 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 That is impactful when it's, when it's people you're helping and yeah, that, that's great. Okay. So Given you've got a couple of accomplishments, let look back, if you would, please, Dan, on your career and say, okay, what are some of the lessons? Maybe, maybe two, three lessons that you've learned based on uh, you know the experiences that you've been through. Yeah, and and if I think of of what I've learned or the lessons learned, I think I'll divide it into two areas. Okay. One is what I've learned in business, and the second will be what I've learned in life. Okay. Yeah, good. But relative to business, I think that the first one is be honest. And of course, be ethical. Yeah. Be fair. I mean, try hard 
communicate well, and have infinite patience. In other words, not everyone understands what you're saying. So you have to take the time to explain what you mean to the people you're dealing with. So although that's a strange maybe answer on the business side, I, I think it's I, I think it's most impactful. Yeah. And then on the life side, my my advice would be enjoy the moment. Live in the moment. No matter where you are in the world, no matter what you're doing, enjoy the moment. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll give you one little aside on that. I remember the first day I started to work at Lindbergh. I took the train to work. It was right across the street from the train station. I was walking across the street. I was 21 years old. And I said to myself, only 44 years to go. <laughs> and I turn around and the 44 years has disappeared yeah. like it was yesterday. Yeah. So you must enjoy what you do. And you'll never work a day in your life, the old story. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I would say is never sacrifice family for work. Yeah. Never, ever. Um, I made myself a promise as a young man after missing a couple of my uh, oldest son's birthdays that I would never miss another birthday of his in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud to say I haven't. Very nice. Uh, but I think that's, a, that's an important life lesson as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. When we return, Dan will share some lessons about business and life that he has learned over the years. But first, Heat Treat Today's annual 40 Under 40 Award goes to young folks in North America's Heat Treat industry who are giving their time, talent, and education to make the industry a better place. Who are these rising young leaders? Likely your own clients and colleagues. A nomination takes just five minutes, so go to heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo. Winners receive year-long recognition on www.heatreattoday.com and are featured in the September Trade Show magazine. We need your help to locate hidden heat readers who discreetly work away from the public eye, especially those who are operating in captive heat treat facilities. So who do you think is a rising young leader in the North American heat treat industry? Type heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 promo to nominate or learn more today. Once more, that's heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo. Now back to the episode. Were there any, any disciplines? I mean, you kind of mentioned a couple here, but were there any disciplines, whether they be again, life general or work specific, any disciplines that you established during your work career, you think have, have uh, treated you well, things you said, you know what, this is, this is a discipline I'm going to do every day, every week, whatever it is. Anything along that line that you can, remember well i have i have two passions in life right now always and from the time i was old enough to remember i had a passion for science mm -hmm. i had and chemistry by the way in particular yeah uh, but but a, a very great passion for science so my curiosity and interest in science has fueled if you will, my working career. 
Um, and metallurgy uh, was once defined to me to be the chemistry of metals, yeah. which I'll never forget. I enjoyed that definition. But my other great passion in life, as you know, Doug, is mathematics. And I think that the logical thinking and the problem-solving aspects of that discipline uh, stand out to me as something that that help uh, help every day type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. You mentioned earlier just briefly about not missing your son's birthdays and things of that sort, which which kind of makes me wonder about this question, which I've asked before in other interviews, and that is. How about work-life balance? How do any any tips for people on? I mean, I personally find it difficult sometimes to turn off the work at you know five o'clock or six o'clock. Sometimes, any any guidance, any suggestions for work-life balance? Well, first of all, Doug, that's a hell of a question. I think I can use the phrase. It's a <laughs> hell of a question to ask a workaholic. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. Howsoever, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, positively, there is a life-work balance. Yeah. Um, it's, it's different for each individual person. I will simply share, share mine. And that is the fact that I have the unique ability, once the workday ends, and the workday may be 12 plus hours, but once the workday ends, I can immediately transition into relaxation and fun mode, as I call it, okay. uh, without, without one thought about work. Hmm. Uh, the thinking about work maybe creeps in when finally about midnight you've gone to bed or about 4 a.m. when you wake up. But the idea is the fact that I have real quality time to enjoy family and friends uh, and pursue some of my non-work passions, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if I should mention these, but I mentioned mathematics, but I enjoy poetry uh, and critical thinking. And, and those are things that, that are hobbies of mine, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Do you find those hobbies to be exceptionally helpful to you in the sense of giving you a mental break from, from what you do? Does it make you a better metallurgist, a better, a better engineer? Yeah, I, I really believe, and this is where that work-life balance comes in. Yeah. I believe you have to get away from it. Yeah. For whether it be five minutes or five days, you have to get away from it so you can come back to it refreshed and ready to go. If that yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a concept out there about what they what they call it's not not my concept right some something I've heard but it's there's focused thinking and then there's diffused thinking I think is the word and a lot of times when you're focused on something and you're thinking and you just can't get it you know you say okay I'm going to get away for a while you know <laughs> you're in the shower or you're sleeping at night and all of a sudden boom there it is it comes to you because you weren't focused on it you were diffused you were out doing something else and all of a sudden the uh, you know the genius moment comes. So I, I think that's important. Yeah. I will warn people that don't shave when the genius moment comes. <laughs> it can be, yeah. It yeah. Can be a, a life altering experience. Uh, it did yeah. happen to me, but we'll leave that. That's another story for another day. Yeah. Well, maybe that ties into this next question. That is this, 
what and this is maybe a little more serious question because you know life is not as they say not all a bed of roses right uh most trying time for you in your in your work career and if if you're comfortable whatever you're comfortable saying and coming out the other side and looking back anything you would any lessons you would have learned from that well I think one of the things that that people again will find to be a little bit unique is that in my professional career, I've had very few trying times, Doug. Okay. Yes, I've had insanely tight deadlines, horrible, you know, horrific travel schedules, yeah. uh, you know, uh, getting to a hotel at three o'clock in the morning when you got to get up at six and go yeah. visit a customer. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, trying to temper customer expectations from the want to the need, if you will. Yeah. yeah. And, and those are, those are, are trying professional times. Um, but some of the work lessons that, that I've learned from that is that not everyone brings the same intensity or focus to a project as you do. Everyone is not as dedicated or, uh, and I wanna not say driven because a lot of people are, but I hold myself to a high standard. And, uh, and as a result of that, you have to learn to temper it down to use a heat treat term, yeah. you, have, you have to learn to make sure that the recipient of the knowledge um, uh, is receptive to the knowledge. Um, and I'm, I'm very much old school. You'd never guess that from looking at me. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, my word has always been my bond. I was taught long ago, if you say it, do it. Yeah. If you don't want to do it, don't say it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, I can handle pressure. I can handle a tremendous amount of stress. And I don't view work as work. I view it as just a, a true labor of love. But, but all of that, my personality and all of my experiences and all the help I've, I've been given through the years, have blunted what you'd call trying times. Gotcha. It's, 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 I'm very fortunate in that sense. It, it is, it is kind of a blessing. Honestly, I don't know. There's a lot of people could say that I can think of uh, most people. I would think, you know, what's the most trying time Boy, Something immediately pops in their head. This was a terrible time. So that's, that's very fortunate. It really is. So let's, let's flip that question on its head though. If you can think of one most, most uh, exhilarating time, Let's just say, what what would it be? What was the the peak of your career? What would what would it be? Well, uh, again, I'm probably going to give you a very non-conventional answer, and I will also make the comment that this is perhaps a little bit of a sexist sexist comment as well. Okay, but but I have to say it. I'm laying in bed one evening with my wife many years ago. And I do a sit-up. I've had that genius moment. Uh -huh. And I said, oh, my God, I've got it. The heat treat doctor. 
Now, my wife, who's semi-asleep at this moment in time when I have my eureka moment, yeah, glances over at me and says, now that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> there you go. She rolls back over and goes to sleep. Well, it took me quite a while to get back to sleep. But anyway, now we're laying in bed about 10 years later. And she says to me, you know, that heat treat doctor idea, I, she said, you know, I was wrong. That heat treat doctor idea is really something. And I'm laying there, Doug, and I'm going, I can count on one hand the number of times in life a man has ever heard a woman say, <laughs> I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, yeah. So although I want to do a fist pump, I restrain myself. <laughs> yes, I, yes. I lay there in bed basking in the glow of masculine superiority <laughs> for all of about 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's business back as usual. But yeah, yes, yeah. I, I believe, and it's not a personal accolade here, yeah, but yeah. establishing the heat treat doctor brand has brought the heat treatment or heat treating into the forefront of manufacturing, into the forefront of the industry, into the forefront of engineering. Yeah. That yes, there's something called heat treating and it is a solution to your needs. So I view the brand as not so much a personal accomplishment as an industry accomplishment. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I think you're being modest because if I can, I'll just interject here. You know, the, the heat treat doctor idea was was good as, as has proven out to be the case, but there could be other people who would have come up with that and it would not have been as successful and personally, Dan, I think that the reason that is the case with you specifically is because of your relatively unique skill set, which you've mentioned, and I'm just going to highlight here a little bit. You know, I think you said it was your mother who taught you all things words, you know, words and English and grammar and things of that sort. To have someone, it's a unique skill set to have someone who is knowledgeable uh, about engineering, knows what they're talking about, and can do two additional things besides just knowing the engineering. One, they're patient enough, as you've mentioned, as an example of one, someone you've talked about, patient enough to be able to spend time to explain it. But secondly, they're, they're good at explaining it. A lot of people can't, some people are just not good teachers. And you, you capture all three of those elements, if, I, if you will, the engineering know-how, the ability and patience to teach, and the, and, and the ability to explain things well. So I think that's why the heat treat doctor has worked for you and worked very well. So I, I, I think that's the case, Doug. I agree. Yeah. So last question for you, because uh, I always like to go away, uh, maybe depart on a question of, you know, you're an old timer, right? It's not by my, not by my assessment, but by your own, uh, your own uh, statement. Uh, I still think you have a lot of years left here. We, we look forward to those. But what kind of advice would you give to the younger people? You know, uh, Heatry today does the 40 under 40. So we've got, I think sure. we've done either three years or four years of that. So we've either got 120 or 160, some in the young people under the age of 40. Uh, hearing advice from those more senior in the industry can be helpful. What would, any, any pieces of advice you would give to those young people? 
Yeah, um, it's a very, very good question. And the thing that comes to mind first, and this is perhaps difficult for people to, younger people to understand, but you have to share your knowledge openly and really without reservation. Now, I'm not saying give away company secrets. Right. The things you learn in the industry, you must share because you strengthen the industry by doing that. You give the industry a competitive advantage by doing that. And you're helping in your own small way to educate the next generation of heat treaters. Because at the end of your career, I think what you're going to find is that what is important in our industry is to lead, not to follow. In other words, heat treating has to be the most cost competitive industry or we will cease to exist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Example I use, and everyone under 40 won't understand this, but I beg you to try. When I was a young man, there was something in this world called the slide rule. And we could do marvelous engineering calculations with nothing more than a slide rule. Mm -hmm. Well, the slide rule is a thing of the past. It's a device that works perfectly fine. But who, my God, who would ever use it yeah. in favor of a calculator or a computer? Yeah. It's just, a, it, so it's a product that's obsoleted itself. And we cannot let our industry obsolete itself. And I guess another piece of advice was don't worry what people say, what they do or what they think. Do good, contribute to your science and grow the industry. Yeah. And, and I guarantee you that at the end of your careers, you will feel like you've never really worked a day in your life. Right, right. Maybe, maybe the last piece of advice, and again, from, from my experience base, would be to emphasize be a hands-on engineer. Okay. Be a hands-on person. Look at the practical, this is from my father, of course, the practical side of things, the practical skills, the common sense that it takes to do our jobs. And don't be afraid to go out there and, and get your hands dirty because soap was invented specifically for that purpose. And um, if I can indulge and, and give one last story, I'm all about telling stories with, with morals, but um, uh, I always have a, 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 a bar of lava soap uh, in, the, in, the, in the bathroom. So when I come in from working outside or whatever I'm doing, I can wash my hands. And of course, I was out and with the grandson one day a few years ago and we went in the house and, and we went in the bathroom to wash our hands. And he took one look at that lava soap and he said, boy, he said, does that taste bad? <laughs> and I'm thinking, how would he know what lava soap tastes like? 
if his father hadn't washed his mouth out with it. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, there you go. But the idea being the fact that soap is, is your friend. Soap is not your enemy. Yeah. So get out there, do good, and do work with your hands. Contribute yeah. to your science, and you will be a success. Yeah, very, very good. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, get your hands dirty. That's great. All right, Dan, thank you so much. Appreciate the time you've invested, not just with us here today, but for the 50-some years you've, you've put it in the industry. It's, it's been a great pleasure knowing you and working with you. We look forward to doing more with you uh, here at Heat Treat today, but uh, thanks for all the very, very positive contributions you've made to the industry. Appreciate your time. Well, Doug, my pleasure, and thank you for doing this. I think it's going to be a tremendous service to the industry. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode with Dan Herring. Heat Treat Radio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and the website www.heattreattoday.com forward slash radio. If you'd like to get in contact with Dan, head over to www.heat-treat-doctor.com or call him at 630-834-3017. You can also email him at dherring at heat-treat-doctor.com or reach out to me and I can put you in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. Do you have a new or interesting idea that you want to hear discussed on Heat Treat Radio? If so, let me know. Also, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, please let me know and we'll be in touch. My email is bethany at heattreattoday.com. You can continue learning from Dan and other expert heat treaters on heattreattoday.com. Find articles, interviews, and short videos created by these experts to get a leg up on industry trends and technical content. Heat Treat Radio would like to thank Heat Treat Today's 40 Under 40 nomination for sponsoring this episode. Nominate a North American Heat Treater today at www.heattreattoday.com forward slash 40 under 40 promo. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is the sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be produced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. I'm Bethany Neal. Thank you for listening.